Hello and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie and I am still your host. Today's episode features an interview with Lindsay Bennell who is super, super cool. She has worked in PR, internal communications, all that kind of stuff throughout so many different countries in Australia, UK, and America. And she's been in so many different fields of PR as well. So she's really proven that PR is really what you make of it and you can really have the greatest experience with it. I love chatting with Lindsay and I'm so excited for you guys to hear all about her and her career path. Before I hop into that, let's talk about personal and professional highlights for the week. My professional highlight is that the Hanukkah video for my sorority premiered this week and if you didn't know, I am a social media intern for my sorority so I work on anything related to communications, PR, marketing, all of that. So for the past month and a half, I've been working on sourcing content from different groups on from different chapters and different colonies of my sorority to create a massive video all about Hanukkah and all about how SAE Pi has like stayed strong throughout the coronavirus. So that's over on our Insta at SAE Pi HQ. You can find it, but I'm super duper proud of it. And I kind of feel like a huge like weight has been lifted off my shoulders because like I'm finally done with that and it was taking up so much of my time. On a personal note, I started getting to go to the gym again this week. So I go to Orange Theory when I'm home. I couldn't go while I was at school because they don't have one in Binghamton. And for the longest time, I couldn't go because of the pandemic. But now that I'm home from school for good, I have started my membership again. And I've been obsessed with taking classes. I literally took four classes this week. And I was so sore, but it was so, so, so worth it. I love working out, getting those endorphins in. It just makes me so, so, so happy. One more thing before we hop into this interview, I am actively looking to book guests to record with for Touching Base. So please, please, please head on over to the Insta and either message or comment on any of the posts if you are interested in being a guest or if you know someone that would be interested in being a guest or if you just want to recommend someone and have me reach out to them. All of that is totally fair game. I am so excited to hear from you guys about who you guys want to hear from. All of that being said, here's the interview with Lindsay. I hope you guys like it. Hello, hello. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. And yourself? I am good. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Mm-hmm. Yep. My name is Lindsay Bunnell. I'm originally from the UK. I lived in Sydney for a while. Uh, and now I'm in Brooklyn, but I like to explain the journey because otherwise people are like, where is she from? Because that accent is non-specific. <laughs> yes, I was just wondering because I, I hear the I hear the Sydney. Yeah. But I also, it's not a full Sydney accent. No, it's it's a real <laughs> mishmash at this point. Um, so I people still tend to hear more Australian. Like when I got back to the UK after being in Sydney, for like a long long time everyone was like oh you're Australian right and then I'd be like no I'm not and they're like oh I'm so sorry you must be from New Zealand I was like no I'm I'm from here I just picked this up so how long were you in the UK and then how long were you in Mm -hmm. Australia um so I'm from the UK I was born there that's where all my family is still um I was there until I was 27 and I was in Sydney about three and a half years then went back to London and got to New York in 2017. It is crazy how much of the Sydney accent you picked up in just three and a half years. Yeah, people like 
when they hear the accent and then they're like, oh, you must have been there as a child. I'm like, no, uh, just as an adult. And I think the, I, I never tried to imitate people or sound like it. The only time I would ever put it on was for those like automated voice recordings. Uh, like if I was trying to book a taxi or something, it sometimes mm -hmm. wouldn't recognize my British accent, but I think, uh, probably I just picked it up bit by bit and absorbed it um and I didn't know and I went back to the UK for a wedding and did a reading at the wedding and afterwards everyone was like what happened to your voice <laughs> and I was like what do you mean and they're like you were so Australian yeah it's so it's so crazy to me accents just in general and how we pick up on different things just wherever we are I'm so I'm still so sh shocked that you picked up so much of an accent in just three and a half years at an older age, especially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like doing accents um, and I like loved languages. Um, so I guess maybe like I have an ear for it, which is why I was more inclined to pick it up. But um, it's weird because I don't think I've done that since being in the States. So I think there was like a difference with the Australian maybe. Um, I will say some words with the American pronunciation because it's easier and then everyone knows what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm kind of moving into the hot seat segment question a little mm -hmm. bit. My first question for you is, what are your favorite words in each accent? Ooh, in each accent. <laughs> um, I like to do a Northern like British accent um, and saying hello in that voice is really fun for me. Um, I think, um, like in America, it's weird, like switching between them, like no was like the word that sounded most Australian for the longest of times. Mm -hmm. And if I was going to try and do an impression, I would pick no, because it's like very nasal. Um, and then I don't really know. I never do an American accent, but today I caught myself saying like several words with like the American pronunciation. Cause I was like, it's just easier. <laughs> It makes sense yeah when you work, cool. especially it's so interesting with accents just being mm -hmm. like especially between the uk america and australia and that we all speak the same language but right. we all have different words and different accents so it's crazy yeah and it's weird when you slip and you're like oh like i'd like an aubergine and everyone's like what do you mean and i'm like an eggplant i would like an eggplant <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then the second question that I want to know from you is if you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, who would it be? Um, I would love to have dinner with Eddie Izzard, who is a British uh, comedian originally from Yemen, um, speaks a bunch of languages, um, is also moving into politics. He did a tour in the States last year, um, but I think that would be really fun. And if you could ask him any kind of question, what would it be? Um, I would ask him when he's gonna run for prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like he's progressing like more into politics and is uh, like a couple of times it's like, I'm doing more now, I'm doing more now. And I'm like, but we could do with some more great labor MPs in the UK. So, <laughs> so when? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think mine kind of, my answer to this question changes every day. I've asked mm -hmm. it to a couple different guests and I'm always changing my answer. But today, I think my go-to answer would definitely be whoever was behind Joe Biden's campaign social media. Um, obviously, he has a huge team, so mm -hmm. I don't know exactly who was behind each post. But some of those posts just did such a good job targeting like 2018 to 22-year-olds and like- right 
I think it was such a great job that they did. And I would love to pick whoever's brain that is and just like yeah. ask them, like, were you on TikTok? Like, did you see what we wanted? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I would see TikToks of like, Joe Biden should do this on his social media. And then the next few days it would pop up on his social media. And I was like, hmm, who, who is behind right. this? They must have people monitoring that for sure. Like- for sure. Um, so now moving more into the PR communications mm-hmm. questions, can you talk a little bit about where you went to school and what you got a degree in? Yeah, sure. So I went I went to the university in the UK and I went to Southampton University. Um, my degree was in English and French because um, when I was taking the degree, I knew I, at that point, I knew I probably wanted to go into PR. Um, I'd originally considered journalism, but then I was like, I don't think I want to have to ask those awkward questions. I would rather, <laughs> I would rather be the person having to answer them. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, no, I, I don't want to put pressure on people. So I did English and French, English because it's like a great core subject and French just because I love languages and the thought of having I, my A-levels, which are the um, exams you take before going to university, Um, I did three and they were English, French and German. So I didn't want to lose a language. I never wanted to go into translation or interpretation, but I wanted to have language as a skill. And I felt like it might be a differentiator when I was applying for jobs, although it was never like my goal to work in French PR. Yeah, definitely. I think that I 100% feel you with journalism and not wanting to ask those Mm. awkward questions. Like I took a journalism class and I had just had to go around and like, talk to people about things and like it just made the most sense to talk to my friends because I didn't want to interview random people but then it's like I'm coming up with questions and I was just like imagine actually having to ask this to a random person like Mm -hmm. they would think I was nuts and it's like if you were my client I could tell you 100% how to answer that question and I could tell you like how to go for it Mm -hmm. but I do not want to be asking that (laughs) right and I remember like in like later I did do like a short journalism course while I was doing PR to understand like the perspective from the other side and like what Mm -hmm. journalists are looking for and they were talking about this point in the interview and it was like this peak in the arc um, and they'd asked us like to interview people in the class and so and to share a personal story and I was talking about the fact I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and she was like, well, where I'd really want to get to in this interview is this question where I would be like, and how does it feel that you might not be able to have children? And I was like, for sure I was right to go into PR. I was like, I don't want to get someone to that point. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that other people do because journalism is so important. But I was like, I will not ask those questions and these will be bad interviews and bad stories because yeah, of it. It's- Definitely so interesting, like the relationship between a journalist, a journalist and a public relations professional, because mm-hmm. I feel like we all kind of come from these similar like writing, pitching kind of background, but then like we just have such different jobs. So like mm-hmm. I feel like a journalism, like they're supposed to be getting into the nitty gritty and like pulling people down almost, whereas PR professionals were rising our clients up and getting them out of crises, whereas yeah. journalists are putting people into crises. Yeah. Which is sometimes great because you want some of those people to get into crisis. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I am, I'm not the one to do that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's definitely so great to have that journalism background, at least Mm -hmm. because then you kind of know, like, how are they going to pull my client down? Like, what are they going to do? And you can prepare your client even more for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. So now like when you were in school, did you do any internships? Did you have any jobs? What was that kind of like for you? Yeah, the jobs I had 
to make money weren't usually directly related. Although I would say I worked in a bar, which actually was like an amazing skill for life Mm -hmm. because I was pretty shy pre-university and didn't like speaking up. So uh, doing like bar work every summer and holiday was great because then I was like oh I can talk to anyone great like when you start talking to journalists it's much easier if you have those like social skills and feel like Mm -hmm. you're just being able to talk um and then I would also take placements um I um did work experience one summer I did work experience at Bloomsbury Books um because I was also considering publishing but it was very funny to me on the second day they were like actually we have you interning in like the editorial department, but how would you feel about being paid to temp in marketing for the summer? Cause actually we, we need a temp and we've seen that you can do the kind of work we want. So I went and temped in their marketing department, which was great because then I could sort of see like through a marketing lens as a, like a site separate to PR. Um, that was great. And when I finished up university, I did about a month's internship um, at Hill and Knowlton. Amazing. First of all, let me just say, I think a food or beverage job is so important. (laughs) I, the summer after my freshman year of college, I worked at Doe, the edible cookie Mm. dough store in the village. Um, And just like customer service skills are so, so important. And like, even like just working in the food industry, it's like, you're constantly selling your product, like you're marketing Mm -hmm. that product. And like, it's a skill that I think everyone needs to have in just working with people, working on a yeah. team and like working in a fast paced environment. Like it will literally help you in any career that you're yeah. looking to go into. And it's people underestimate mm-hmm. like retail food and beverage jobs and like don't underestimate them because they yeah. will get you far in life. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I, if I hadn't done that, it would have been a very different experience from that. And I'm sure I would have built the confidence one way or another, but like just being thrown into that, like at the end of that first summer of doing it, I was like, oh, this is great. (laughs) Right. I feel like after your first kind of shift or your first few shifts, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, you have the hang of it and you're like, kind of, I feel like on top of the world, it's like, yeah, I am able to do this. And like, I can serve people so fast. I can sell this product. Mm -hmm. Like people want what I have. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that's so true. <laughs> so kind of walk me a little bit out of college. Walk mm-hmm. me through your journey to Australia, your journey back to yeah. UK and back to <laughs> New York and kind of where you are now. Yeah. So um, out of uni, I did the work experience at Helen Knowlton and did a lot of like most of my time there was in the health and beauty department, which then led me to work in um, for a health and beauty retailer in the UK called Superdrug. I was there for about six months and did a lot of PR in terms of like product launches, um, like gearing up for Christmas, uh, all their store openings because they were going through like a big rebrand at the time. Like whoever was in first would start going through the papers and looking for coverage. And one day I just found like it was, (laughs) I remember opening the page and the story was I was spanked (laughs) in the store uh stockroom and I was like oh what's this and I was like oh they're a super drug employee um and they had paid like someone to do to position their story to get that kind of coverage and like when it went to court like it was found as not being true and different things Mm -hmm. but I mean as 
people who work in PR instances will know like the retraction is always such a small amount of space um, <laughs> versus the scandalous story. <laughs> um, I got some really great experience there, but I realized I didn't want to be on a consumer account or working for a consumer business in that way. And so if we got a product in the press and it was like, you can get like Kate Moss's look for less and like our sales spiked, which is the whole purpose. I was like, yeah. oh no, people aren't going to look like Kate Moss. Like I have this, like, to me, it felt weird. So I then went and worked at a nonprofit uh, that worked for a lot of government agencies, promoting skills development, taking alternative routes. So like, if you don't go to university, you can do apprenticeships. Like what about taking mm-hmm. like this path to develop skills like bricklaying and hairdressing? And there was a lot of nonprofits to support that. Um, that was in-house and from there I then went to a small PR agency which had a similar mix of clients um, and was really great they worked with some entrepreneurship places they also worked for the council for national work experience which was like campaigning to get um, students and graduates better rights through work experience so Mm -hmm. can these be pay positions like what are like can you give these people more benefits like what is a good structured work experience program um, and so while I was at the agency, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go to Australia. I'd met a lot of Australians when I did the bar work. And I was like, I'm only going to get to see these people if I go to Australia. Cause like they'd done their trip to the UK. Mm-hmm. So I moved out of London, which is where I was working at the time to live with my parents. So I could save money instead of paying London rent, which would let me then save to go to Australia. And I got a six months job working at a housing association doing a mix of PR, marketing and events. Again, there were a couple of crises there and I was like, oh wow, like, I think like, it's always like, you're like about to leave and then the phone rings and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, can you just tell us about, um, you know, this incident with a resident in one of your properties? You're like, I'm going to have to call some people, but I will be calling you back as soon as I can when I've got Mm -hmm. like the story straight. Um, but the housing association was looking to merge with another housing association and they put me in charge of answering the employee questions and keeping the internet up to date. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point I was like, oh, I didn't know this role existed that you could communicate to employees. And so when I moved to Sydney, I applied for a whole mix of comms jobs and got offered PR jobs, internal comms, marketing, but I took an internal comms job and at that point kind of zigged out of PR um, and moved into doing employee relations and change management. Although I would still do outside of work, I do comedy. So I would do a lot of PR um, for shows I was in or for other shows. Mm-hmm. So it was like a great skill to have. And like truly the skills from it is what set me up for success in internal communications. Um in Sydney I worked for mainly financial organizations because there was a lot of those so they were like the easiest or like it was easier to get roles at those particularly not coming from the country so they were more likely to sponsor me than say like a smaller company uh the second role I loved the the bank I worked for had an internal tv station so I got to write like scripts and go along and do filming to like broadcast stories out to our employees in the banks And then when I came back to the UK, which was in 2012, I worked for an insurance company, again, doing internal communications, change management, Uh, a lot of reorgs, a company like separated from a parent company, did like a a IPO, total Mm rebrand. And I worked there pretty much until I moved to the States. 
Um, I did a couple of freelance contracts before I left. And one of those places I freelance for also had uh, an office in New York. So I worked for them when I first got here. Yeah, that is so awesome. Um, first of all, being a comedian, can you tell me a joke? <laughs> um, people always ask that. I tend to do more sketch and improv. So it's like a little like, I don't have a joke ready to go. Um, so I can't tell you. <laughs> if I told you a joke, it would be very bad. <laughs> I think that you are like the definition of it doesn't matter what industry of PR or communications mm-hmm. you're in, as long as you're building that skill set and getting connected. Yeah. Um, Someone asked think- me when I interviewed at the bank, they were like, why finance? And I was like, they, they'd already told me they were going to put me in charge of like home loans communications to employees. And I was like, I can't lie. I don't love finance. I don't know anything about home loans right now. So I was just like, I love communications. I like trying to cry, like create simple, clear messages that help employees do their job, help them connect to the company. It's not finance. It's the role itself. And she's like, oh, me too. I used to work in government. I was like, thank goodness I didn't try and lie about home loans because <laughs> I'd have got really right. stuck. Right. And I think that's something really important for people to realize and recognize. I know for me, like, I really want to work in athletics, communications and sports Mm -hmm. central things. But kind of with COVID right now, the sports world is all over the place. And I'm graduating college in literally two days. I know, like right off the bat, I'm probably not going to find a job in sports. Mm -hmm. But I also know that no matter where I end up, I'm still going to continue writing press releases, Mm -hmm. doing social media pitching people doing all of that and I'm like it doesn't matter where I get that experience as long as I have that experience to talk about in interviews and so on and so on and I think like even just I my first summer internship was at a lifestyle PR firm and I loved it like loved working Mm -hmm. in that industry and then my second summer internship was at kind of a company that works more with government like local government and Mm -hmm school districts and things like that. I know something I totally was not interested in, but I was still writing press releases. I was Mm -hmm. still doing research on media and journalists. And I think that it's the same skill set wherever you go. And it's the same PR is the same thing, no matter what industry you're in. It just, whatever industry grabs your attention, go for it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, like you say, those core skills will let you like work in different industries. And like, for me, it's let me change like the specific role I'm doing from like PR to like PR plus marketing to then internal comms and change management. Uh, and now I run workshops, like I work as a facilitator, but it's still those same core skills because exactly. to run a good workshop, I need to understand people's content. So it's still like, why, what's the thing you want to solve? What's the answer you want to get to? Um, and I think that mindset of asking questions to then be able to communicate easily with people is so important and it it means you are set up to pivot into different things yeah and definitely being open to new industries has definitely given you so much perspective on different places in the world because you've been able to move all around Mm -hmm. because you're flexible with the industry you want to work in for you it's you want to work in communications it doesn't matter what communications Uh Yeah, and I know for some people, they're very set and they know it's like, no, I want to work in this type of PR in this industry or like specifically for an agency. And I really wanted to explore and see what the possible options were because I was like, well, I don't know until I've tried it. Yeah, and I think that PR is one of those, a great field for that. And like, 
I think that especially with communications, there's so mm-hmm. many different aspects of it. So number one, there's so many different industries you could go in because every company needs communications, needs PR. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side of it, PR has so many specters in itself. Like you could be really good at writing press releases. You could be really good at social media. You could be really good at pitching people. Like so right. many different sectors. And I think that PR is such a great job for someone that wants to be versatile and mm-hmm. kind of find exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, I agree. And I think that was one of the things like, I don't like routine. I like doing different things. So I was like, oh, cool. Like one day I can be pitching and like, great. I start every day by looking at the newspapers and like figuring out like, is there something I can respond to on behalf of a client? Or like, is there like a particular like interview section that I can pitch my people to? And it felt like always a good mix of like, like detective work and then like but it's also fun and creative because like if you're working on something that is you know uh you know less serious or where you can have a bit of fun then you you get to like do more fun things with that and that was always really great too for sure now I know that working in other countries and visas and citizenship can be so complicated Mm -hmm. but can you talk like just a little bit about (laughs) that application process for visas in both America and in Australia? Yeah, so going from the UK to Australia is, um, I don't think this has changed. So it's pretty easy if you're under 30. So when I went to uh, Australia, I was under 30, you can apply up until you're 30 and you can, as long as you enter before you turn 31 and you get a one year working holiday visa. Um, It's pretty easy to extend those um, as a Brit in Australia. Um, and you can either do that by doing kind of work that they like is in more need. So a lot of friends previously had like gone and worked um, on farms and like in areas where they needed more support. I was really fortunate. I had a really good friend from the UK who was already there and she was like, I think you'll be fine to get sponsored um, given like she knew a lot of people. She, she is a journalist um, and we met at university um, but she knew people were working in PR and communications and she was like, most of them have got sponsored. So the place that I first worked um, after like a couple of months said they would sponsor me. And then that gave me a visa to stay for longer as long as I was at that company. After a while, I was like, this job doesn't feel right anymore. It was um, like a decent commute. And I just felt like I'd got to a point where I wasn't growing skills and really there was just a volume of work, but not like anything that was like helping me develop. So I started to look for work. Um, and I, I was hesitant because I was like, if I can't find anything, then I have to leave the country. Um, Cause I was like, I can't stay here. Um, and I mean, that's why again, like working for a bank was really useful because they're more inclined. Um, however, like to get, for them to get that visa, they have to prove, um, <laughs> this sounds like the worst, they have to prove that um, <laughs> no one else in the country can do that job, mm-hmm. which is common for visas also coming in like from the UK to the States or like the different visas like L1s um, and like H1Bs. And it's insane to me because it's like, come on, like there must, there must be someone in the country who could do it. Um, yeah. but, but obviously that worked in my favor um, and that's how I got the visa then for the second job um, in Sydney Um, because I was the visa obviously has a cost to it they 
there was some negotiation then with the salary but I mean I was fine to take a lower salary because I got to stay in the country I wanted Mm -hmm. to be in at that time um got to take a job which was going to give me great new opportunities and like I got on so well with the manager like at the interview that I was like very confident it was going to be a great move yeah that's so awesome I think that the whole concept of you have to prove that there's someone in the country that can't do the job is so interesting and so crazy and I feel like there's no actual way to prove that right but I'm so glad that it worked out for you. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> like that's I think wild. it's so funny to me that it's I had this conversation before I had a guest um a few weeks back, not a few weeks back, like a few months ago, mm-hmm. that also is currently working in Australia. So it's definitely very interesting idea and very interesting concept, but seems to work out for a lot of people. Yeah. So listeners if you're thinking about going to Australia (laughs) might work out for you you should probably try it right and like when I went I knew I didn't want to just stay a year so I was looking ideally for jobs that would talk about sponsorship or trying to find out what opportunities could lead to that because my degree was English and French and for that I was in France for about nine months and at the end of the nine months it just I it felt like so weird to be back home and I really miss France like all summer and I was like I wasn't ready to leave and I didn't want that to happen again I'm currently obsessed with France because I watched Emily in Paris on Netflix and I feel like they portray French France in such like a romantic light and I'm right currently obsessed but um yeah I'm very excited. I, I really do want to look at other places and other countries and all of that once mm-hmm. COVID is kind of over and there's more opportunities to be all over the place. Right. And I mean, I think there's also like, there's certain companies you can work for where that's maybe going to be more likely. Like I wasn't working for a company in the UK that would have led to a transfer um, at either of those times. Um, But obviously certain companies are more open to that. Like, Mm -hmm. and so if you like are looking to do that, like it might be something you want to consider because it is going to make that opportunity potentially like more likely in the future. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely super important especially like if you know you're gonna want to move around like mm-hmm. look for a company that might give you that opportunity to do so yeah. um because it's gonna be easier to find sponsorship and mm-hmm. all of that if you're already working for someone yeah um so much easier. can you talk a little bit about your job now and kind of what a day-to-day or yeah. some of the things you might do look like mm-hmm. um it's it's very different to what I used to do so I worked doing workshops um, for a consulting company. So we can work for any arm of the business. Um, and it's usually when we want to go in with a new idea to a client, or maybe internally, we want to rework a process, uh, which could be like, um, could be like brand messages. So like, there is always like some tie back to PR or like some of the workshops I've been on are like helping clients identify like new target cultures for their company it's like well we think that you know we're not innovative enough and we want to move in this direction so actually like what's the cultural change we need to do and how can Mm -hmm. we activate that and what's the behaviors and like 
those ones I always get really excited for because it feels like all of the jobs I've done like combined um, and that's really satisfying. But day to day, it will be joining calls with the people I'm running workshops with, understanding like what outcomes they want, like what do they want to get from this workshop? Um, why is that important? Um, understanding some of the context and business or like industry context and then putting together a suggested uh, agenda for the workshops. Um, Pre-pandemic, they used to be all day sessions and sometimes multiple days. Mm-hmm. Um, since everything's gone remote, we tend to do them between like three and four hours because keeping people on a call any longer than that is not great. Yeah, <laughs> And even within like that block of time, we'll always make sure there's breaks and a mix of activities so you can kind of help people with their energy curve mm-hmm. um, and, you know, sustain the workshop so that you don't have people like <laughs> dropping off or like losing participation um and so a, a day will usually look like maybe one of those calls to like discover more about a workshop potentially working on um we always do like a report at the end of a workshop because people will come up with so many ideas mm-hmm. that it's then like synthesizing that down so again that always feels like a good tie back to like PR and almost coming up with like those headline or press release type statements um so it's like great we did all of this but you could sum it up in this one sentence um running workshops or supporting like there's you know I I work in a team so sometimes two people will have set up and done the whole workshop but they might need someone else in there to like help take notes or move around virtual stickies and stuff like that um so that's it yeah it's varied and I did well I do improv um and we run like energizers and warm-ups and stuff like that. So it was also really useful having that skill set as well. And that was like advantageous when I went for the role. Yeah. So you said that now your events have to be a little bit shorter, only three to four hours. <laughs> and I think that literally everyone in the world is suffering from Zoom fatigue right now. Right. I know I spend all my all day, every yeah. day on classes on Zoom. And then I go from classes to meetings to Mm -hmm. other things all day long so what do you think is like the biggest tip or the biggest thing you have for breaking zoom fatigue and not getting so fatigued Mm -hmm. I think um it it depends I would say if you're running something um encourage people to stand up encourage them to move like encourage that they literally physically get up and move to a different room like or if they can't like a different space in their room because I think just being in that one position like the longer you're in it the more tiring it gets um I think you know just checking in with people like if you're running a class or a lesson like just being like hey how are people doing do you do you need a break like do you need (laughs) how are people Mm -hmm. because you can pause, get them to go get coffee. Um, I think playing music, I think doing warm-ups and energizers is useful um, because it's like a reset and it might feel like, oh no, I'm taking time away from like the agenda and the important content. But if you pick those things which um, support like the mindset of the workshop, actually they're gonna build energy and probably like set you up for more success for like your next activity. Yeah, I think it's really important that we remember that Zoom fatigue exists nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think that it can often be so much like, oh, people are in their homes, they can relax, mm-hmm. they can kind of be like wherever they want to be. But then on the other hand of that, it's like you're in your own space. So like your brain will wander mm-hmm. and especially staring at a computer screen for so many hours. Yeah, Who knows where you're going to end up? And especially with your computer right in front of you, like you can open up another window and be 
in a totally different zone. And I think that people are now more so realizing that Zoom fatigue exists because we've been doing it for mm-hmm. almost nine months now. But definitely earlier on in the pandemic, it was you were on Zoom for hours and hours yeah. and just with no break. Yeah. And I think we will always ask people to have cameras on during workshops and like we'll do a mix of using like the virtual whiteboard tool and then coming back to, mm-hmm. you know, talking like the the call that we're using. But I would say what I've seen happen is that people aren't always on camera for every call, whereas at the start it was really encouraged so that we could keep that connection up. I think it's really helping people to not always have to be on camera or feel a little more free Mm -hmm. in the choice of when they do that. Um, Because I think people feel like they have to be on and you're like, I have to be engaged and I'm looking in the camera and actually it's like, well, for every call you might not need to see each other and that I think is useful like and helps like it helps with the fatigue if you can be like in listening mode rather Mm -hmm. than like listening plus like am I looking okay on camera and like trying to do all those things yeah and you mentioned just using zoom features like the whiteboard feature and things like that and I think Mm -hmm. that it's so important to remember that zoom has all these cool features for you to use and try out I know like the other day I was on a programming event for my sorority and we were doing kind of like a virtual escape room. Mm -hmm. So I was sharing my screen and one of the things that popped up was like a where's Waldo puzzle. And I'm sharing my screen and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, how the heck are people gonna tell me where they're finding the things? And I was like, oh wait, I can turn the annotate Mm -hmm. feature on and people were able to just like circle wherever they saw the where's Waldo. Mm -hmm. And I think that Zoom has all these cool features and like we need to constantly be exploring them and constantly seeing what Zoom has to offer and how can we make our things more engaging and more interactive. Right. And I feel like it's the same as like thinking about it in person. It's like you wouldn't want to sit in a room for four hours. So like don't let the people just sit like in the one place for like whatever you're doing for that amount of time. Um, Right. Because it makes a huge difference. Particularly because it's like, well, you finish like, and I will try and take breaks. Like if there's something I don't need to do at my desk, like if I'm working on an agenda and I'm like, actually, I probably want to think about this before I type, like I'll go into in a different place in the house and just make notes on like an iPad with a pencil or just in a notebook with a pen and like make sure I've got like more of those breaks building. Cause otherwise like, uh, yeah, there's been days when it's been like an eight to six or an eight to seven day. And at the end I'm like, oh I haven't left the house like yeah it gets yeah and I think having different spaces in your house that work Mm -hmm. well too like I know like we all try to be in like professional settings sometimes but even like for me with class I don't always need to be in a professional setting and it's like I Mm -hmm. have different spots in my room like I have where I'm sitting right now at my desk this is like my go-to professional kind of Mm -hmm. setting because I'm like upright I'm at my chair I have my computer on my desk but in the middle of class, I might move over to the beanbag in the corner of my yeah. room and I'll be relaxed over there or I'll move and I'll sit on my bed. And mm-hmm. just like having those different places to go to and especially having natural lighting and like mm-hmm. windows that you can look out of, so important. Yeah, and I think just looking at the day and figuring out like what are the calls where you maybe don't have to talk so much or where you can listen and like, can you take those outside? Or like, can you be on a walk or like just figuring out like... Like I hadn't gone out today and I was like, oh, that was an error. I should have got out even if it was like for five minutes between yeah. calls. 
Um, so like at five o'clock, I was like, there's still things to do, but I'm not going to get them done unless I go outside and have a break. Yeah. I think taking breaks and recognizing when you need a break Mm -hmm. is definitely such a great skill to be able to have. Um, talking a little bit about skills. One of the last questions I have for you is just kind of, is there anything specific that you would recommend to someone in college or someone that wants to work in PR, any skills that you think they should have or anything specific they should do? Mm -hmm. I think like get as much experience as you can. And like, I don't think that always has to be for an organization. Um, I don't know if that applies in the States, but at university I would do PR (laughs) for a lot of the performing arts groups Mm -hmm. because I knew it was something I probably wanted to go into. I was going to get, I could get experience writing press releases, pitching to journalists, starting to build contacts. And for me, that was great because it then meant I was getting that all year round and I didn't have to wait till a holiday to go and do an internship. So I think um, doing that and also like doing that lets you know if you like it. Cause I think sometimes you can have an idea of a profession and then you start to do it and actually you're like, oh no. So I think trying as many different areas while you're still studying is great. Cause then as you leave, you're like, okay, well I've refined that a little and this is actually the direction I want to take. Um, and I would say also being like, open to new opportunities um because you know if I hadn't taken the job at the housing association like I wouldn't have probably discovered internal communications at that point and like that then led to like such great opportunities in Sydney yeah I think that leadership develop leadership development in university is so important and I think Mm -hmm. that there are so many ways to get involved on a campus and like I know for me it was like I first started off, I was the publicity chair for my sorority and I was running our social media. And then from there, I was um, the historian for another Mm -hmm. group on my campus and like just finding those different niches and like getting involved in multiple aspects of campus. That way you can take on different leadership roles in different Mm -hmm. areas and all of that. And like every club needs a public relations person. They all need publicity. They all need a PR rep. Like if you're getting connected with those clubs early on, you would have no problem getting elected into those roles Mm -hmm. later in your college career. For sure. And I think the other thing is just trying to speak to people working in those sectors to ask them like, hey, like, what do you wish you'd known like before you went into this? Or what are some things you think are important to know? Because like as someone who has worked in communications, but what would also enjoy like working in comedy or acting like sometimes I've done that to be like oh well let me understand like what that other world would look like and actually like what some of the things are good to like build up in the meantime before like trying to make a switch yeah for sure and college is an as a time for you to explore what you do and don't like Mm -hmm. I went into college thinking I was going to be a doctor and my first year I took chemistry and biology and I was absolutely miserable (laughs) and like it was like my whole life I was like I'm gonna be a doctor and then I got to college and I was miserable and I was like nope this is this ain't it (laughs) yeah and I think listening to like when you feel like that is also so important rather than being like nope this is what I was thinking and I've always wanted to do this it's like I'm not enjoying it and like yes you need having an open mind having an open mind being open to these new opportunities and new ideas and knowing that the thing you start college with is maybe not going to be what you yeah. end up with because I know majority of my friends 
my college friend group, there's seven of us. Mm-hmm. And out of the seven of us, six of us came in pre-med. And there's currently only two of us left that are pre-med. Right. So definitely being open to change and being open to new explore exploration mm-hmm. and all of that is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah, I and agree. Then, yeah, to kind of wrap everything all up, mm-hmm. if you could do your whole college career path over again, is there anything you would do differently? Um, I guess it's like, wow, if I could do it all again, I'd probably like make a diff- a different choice because I know how this one <laughs> pans out. So thinking of it in that lens, it's not like I didn't like the choices I made. Um, I would have always been interested to go to like drama school. Um, and maybe like, I feel like I would have been like, well, let me just go try audition or like see what happens with that. But honestly, like I'm happy with the path I took because it has led to like all these different routes. Um, so I think like, there's always like a different way. I wouldn't change the degree. I wouldn't change where I went. Um, I think just looking at if that could have been an option or like maybe doing that afterwards, but equally, this has worked out pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's like, there's always going to be a different route to what you Mm want to do. There's always kind of a different path that you could have taken, but feeling secure in your path is so important. And like feeling secure in like the decisions you made. And it's like, I'm constantly thinking about me four years ago when I was looking Mm -hmm. at colleges and where I was going to end up. And you know, for me, I'm looking at colleges and I, like I said, I wanted to be a doctor. So I was like looking at schools that had like science programs and like big science schools. And like Binghamton is a really great research Mm -hmm. institution. um, And there's so many opportunities for research and all of that. But now I want to work in sports and I look at sports and we don't even have a football team here. And like, we have absolutely no school spirit. So like people often ask me, they're like, why Binghamton like how'd you end up there and I was like well let me tell you Mm -hmm. first of all we ended up here because we thought we were picking up we we were doing a whole different major at that point right but then I think about like I'm so happy I ended up at Binghamton because I was able to get an internship in our athletics department by literally Mm -hmm. just walking in and having like a little conversation with the guy and like here I am now but like if I had gone to a school like in like the south with like big football schools something like that like mm-hmm. I would have needed like experience or like right to actually have had skills at that point to get a role in their yeah. athletics department so I think that it all like everything has its pros and its cons but like mm-hmm. I'm secure in my path and like I think that that's really important yeah it's it's so funny that you want to work in that field like I did the work experience uh Hill and Knowlton and then went and worked at this beauty retailer and I knew like there was a point where I was like this isn't right and I was looking for things and Hill and Knowlton got in touch and they were like oh we have like a junior account role and it was on their sports team and I was like I can't like you you were like picking which journalists to give tickets to and I was like this just feels not in my world and I was like this would be such a great job for someone who is so passionate about this and I was like it's not me and I was like I was tempted because I'd really enjoyed the work experience, but I was like, no, I have to know this isn't the right role. And like, I waited and got the one at the nonprofit, which is great because it took me like down that route and was like, 
definitely the right choice for me but um hopefully that kind of role pops up for you because I'm like yeah, you would love I mean, it that would have been dreams and I mean it's so funny whenever I tell people I want to work in sports they're like what because <laughs> like I grew up I played softball for 10 years of my <laughs> life and like but I wasn't good at it I didn't play throughout high school I didn't play a college sport and like when I got to high school and when I got to college I focused on music I focused on theater mm-hmm. I focused on I had a YouTube channel and I was trying to be a beauty guru. Right. Like I had all these different focuses. And then um, when I was 17, my dad had worked for the New York Knicks my whole life. He worked as like their statistician. So I like always kind of grew up in like the background of Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. And like, it was like literally like almost a playground for me growing up. And then when I was 17, I was just kind of there and my dad was like do you guys need more people and he was they were like oh we literally always need more people on the team and I got hired from that and I started working like just like background of sports games and things like Mm -hmm. that and even like my freshman year I kind of knew like I was like I want to work in medicine but like I love this environment and I love being here like I was like maybe I'll go into sports medicine right (laughs) and then so like then when I realized that like PR was what I wanted to do I was like this makes sense now. Yeah. I was like, it, it, it all just fell into place. And like, I was never big sports gal growing mm-hmm. up, like didn't play, like play softball, but didn't play sports at high school or college or anything like that. But it's like the environment and like just the fast paced mm-hmm. aspect. And like, there's so many different opportunities is what kind of draws me in. So it's so interesting. Like people never expect me to say like, I'm going into sports <laughs> and like, I love telling people and I love seeing their reaction. I think it's so funny, but like, wh- I wouldn't just change. You end up where you belong, right. I think. And like, yeah, and it I may th- take you on different paths together, but you end up where you belong. Yeah. And I think there's always something like where there has been a connection and you can kind of see it when you look back, like you're saying, you're like, oh yeah, like this happened. And I started working there and it's like, you see those like little connections when you look back. Yeah. And even like, I think my friends, like all throughout high school, I tried to get like PR experience Mm -hmm. in like clubs. Like I was the PR secretary for the American Sign Language Honor Society. And I was like, and I really wanted to be public relations for my high school choir and like Mm -hmm. all of that. And then like, I got to college and I was a doctor. I was trying to be a doctor. And then after that, after that failed, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, PR. And then I was talking to one of my friends and she was like, yeah, when you said doctor, like when I first <laughs> met you, I was like, no way. And right. then you said teacher. And I was like, oh, like that kind of makes sense. And then you said PR. And I was like, yes, that's it. So it's like, it's so funny mm-hmm. looking back at like all these little things, like there were little inklings my whole life that were like pointing me in the direction of PR, but I was so like head fast on this doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. Like I'm going to be so successful idea that I never fully explored PR Mm -hmm. until doctor went down the drain. Well, I think that's the other thing. Like it's so weird. Like, I feel like, like, as you take like each stage you get to, it's like, pick these subjects that you want to study here and pick these with like this end goal in mind. And like, when you pick that and go you don't know about like so many of the other ones that exist like yeah and so then it's also really weird so I think like being able to explore and like find out those things and just yeah see like uh has been really great and looking at like well I have all these skills so that does mean I can move into this area yeah and I think that's kind of like almost a flaw I think in like 
the education system is that they're Mm -hmm. not fully like I know like for me in high school it's like I had to take history I had to take science I had to take math I had to take English and like those classes were pointing me in the direction and it's like when you think like oh I'm taking English classes I'm doing I'm reading literature in high school it's like oh the only thing you can do with this is be an English teacher. When mm-hmm. you read history, you're like, what am I going to do with this? Like I could be a politician maybe, or I could be a history teacher. Yeah. When you do math, it's like, I could be a math teacher with this, but then there's like all these other things, like there's actuarials and economics and all of that that goes along with math. And like, mm-hmm. then with science, it's like, you could be a doctor, but there's also researchers and lab scientists and all of that. Yeah. And like, I think that high school and even college in general, unless you're specifically seeking out those opportunities, I feel like they do a really job, really bad job of preparing you to like find a job and like find a career. Because I know like, especially at Binghamton, it's like, I started off as a science major and I really wanted to be a doctor, but the science classes here are really hard. Like the first year science classes are really hard because they're trying to wean people off of pre-med and more into research fields but it's like when you fail pre-med and you're like oh I'm gonna do research it's like they're not pointing you in the direction of like oh maybe you don't want to do research maybe there's other things you want to try they're like oh just here's um a job in a research lab have fun Mm. yeah it is it's like well not this path and this path and I think like that's the same with like recruiters like when you like are looking for roles and um I've worked with some really great recruiters who are like well if you have the right skills then I'll put you forward for those jobs but there's other ones where it'll be more like so your background is PR in finance so those are the roles I'm going to put you forward for because it's like very much like fill in the fill in the gaps and like that yeah helps them get someone in a role so um I'm always appreciative when people are like, no, I'm going to recruit like based on the skills or like you can move into different areas. Yeah. And I think it's really important to like look at when you look at job descriptions to kind of take them with a grain of salt. Like Mm -hmm. I look at roles and it's like, oh, we want three to five years of event planning experience, but it still says it's an entry level role. And I'm like, okay, who entry level is going to have three to five years of event planning. So I'm like, you kind of just have to spin that to what you want to do. And I'm like, oh, when I was um, 17, I was checking in media at the front desk mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden. Like that's three years of event planning right there. Like, yeah, that's it. So like, yeah. you just have to like span every description to kind of your skill set and what you mm-hmm. can do. And like, just proving to people that like, you're the right person for this role, even if it wasn't exactly what they were looking for. Yeah. No, I fully well, agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and chatting with me. It was so great getting to know you and getting to hear about your path and all of your different experiences and all of that yeah it was really great and happy graduation very soon thank you (laughs) that's amazing Um, yeah thank you I actually have my senior ceremony for my sorority in eight minutes so (gasps) we're transitioning real quick and I was like I like an hour ago I was like crying about graduation so it's like it's like all these different like mixed emotions right now like right. no one really knows how to feel I keep using the Taylor Swift on quote we're happy free confused and lonely at the same time <laughs> like I'm just like um I'm so happy to be graduating like four hours ago I was taking graduation photos and shaking a <laughs> bottle of champagne on campus and then two hours ago I was crying so who knows what life's gonna yeah. take me yeah but um 
I will have all of your links down below so people can mm-hmm. get in touch with you and get to know you a Amazing. little bit more. Um, and to the listeners, if you're still here, thank you so much. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode.